Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined by my co-host, Derek Terry. Derek, Kentucky's basketball roster took some time to start moving, but it's now beginning to take shape with uh, some guys that have transferred out, now committing to other programs, and Bryce Hopkins to Providence, and then now you will have confirmation that Damian Collins and Xavier Wheeler will be on the roster next year. So we're going to start this talking about those two decisions. Yeah, two pieces that, uh, you know, Damian had been reported back for a while and Xavier was going back as far as the when the season was still going on, was thought to have been returning to Kentucky. But official confirmation from both those guys, um, obviously Xavier played a, a really big role on this year's team as a starting point guard and then Damian – had his moments, but you know, his development, like we've talked about, will be huge this offseason. But, you know, that list of returnees is pretty long now. Um, still got a couple guys out there. You know, I hate to even throw them in because I don't think he'll be back. But under the uh, column of maintaining eligibility while going through the draft, you got three guys. You got uh, both power forwards and Toppin and Keon, and then, of course, the shooting guard, Shaden Sharp. So would expect um, – Topping back, not really sure on Keon, and I'm not expecting Shaden back. But once you throw those guys out, Sean, and I mean, they might take one or two more guys, but I think you're you're looking at a roster that's nearly complete. Yeah, it, it is, and and it like I said, it took a bit for that stuff to start becoming official. But now that we're to this point, and it's late April, I mean, May is almost here. The transfer portal deadline's approaching later this week on May first, so. You kind of needed the roster and, and things to start taking shape. And we live in a, in a day and time now, Derek, where you had the Damian Collins report from Travis Branham a month ago, but it really doesn't mean anything until someone actually officially puts something out there like, hey, let's run it back. And, and that's just the day we live in now with the transfer portal and all this stuff and, and the way that things just change from year to year and, and week to week. Uh, you kind of need official word, and now Kentucky has that on its guys that we expected. And I'm assuming – that Lance Ware will probably throw something out there at some point as well. It just kind of feels like you almost have to nowadays. Yeah, it does. I mean, Lance, I think will, if he comes back, I think he'll have a very specific role. Um, and it'll basically be just what it was this year. I think when uh, some of it, I do think will depend though on the development of Damian Collins. Although I do think there's going to be times that Collins spends some, some minutes at the four, but, I would like to see Damian just because I think Damian's ceiling is clearly so much higher than Lance Ware's. But Lance will be a third-year player who has been content being a bench player, and I think he'll fill that role again next year when Chibwe needs a needs a breather or, or, God forbid, gets in some foul trouble, as he will at some point uh, over the course of a long season. But Lance, I, I think the, the role that Lance will play, had he left, I mean, I, I think he could have gotten somebody in there to come and, and, and be Sheboy's backup. But I think having a guy in the program who I would say is – I think it's fair to call him a culture guy, wouldn't you? I mean, I think that's kind of what he is. Seems to be a good teammate. He's a guy that seems – calm. I'm sure if you were to ask him if you'd rather play five minutes a night or 35 minutes a night, obviously he's going to want to play more. But I think he understands the situation. And let's be real, Sean, they're – there have been some kids that have come through here that have, you know, you might want to call them a little delusional in terms of where they are. It's a nice thing I think you can say about Lance. Uh, I think he understands uh, when you get the national player of the year in front of you, you're, you're not going to be able to get as many minutes as you'd probably like. But 
having a guy who who's been in this program to play that really specific role, I think is a good thing um, for sure. But in terms of just that depth in the front court, that's, that's, I guess that's probably where the most, well, I shouldn't say the most question marks lie because they, they do need some more guards and uh, we'll, we'll touch on that in another episode that'll be out tomorrow. But as it is right now, Sean, when you, Look at just let's just use a confirmed guy. So let's let's leave Toppin and Brooks out, and obviously Shade, and just to confirm guys, and start, let's start Lanson as a confirmed guy uh, who's coming back. Just what what do you think? What do you think about this roster? I think it's starting to, to to take shape to the point where everybody can kind of look at it and start to have some confidence for next year. And I mean, obviously, you got Oscar's the headliner with it. You get that decision. It I think it kind of made everyone feel better, uh, even with what happened with Shane Sharp and and with Wheeler too, Derek. I know John, John Calipari talked about that and, and stuff last week and kind of defended him with the injuries. And then we know that Damian Collins has a ton of upside. I, I talked about this on a solo episode over the weekend about Damian, that he was put in a position in that class with rankings based off of upside and what he could become. All that upside and potential, it's still there. Like, it's not like he came to Kentucky and failed in that one season. Like, everybody believes that if, if Damian puts it together and he excels and improves that he could become what that ranking was, especially with his frame and his, and his athleticism. We know the guy can jump out of the gym. To me, though, with some of these guys like Damian, it only works if they're able to get on the floor next year especially with a guy with a ton of potential and the upside with him. You've got to find him minutes somewhere, whether it be at the four, if he can stretch the floor and shoot the three. or And we saw a really good free throw stroke on him last year. Like his accuracy at the free throw line was very good. So you know the mechanics and everything are there. Like if he can add that to his game, to me it's about being a defensive presence with him, though. If he can catch lobs and dunk it at the rim and affect the game with his length, then I think that you could see a, a, a possibility of getting into that 17, 20, 21-minute range for him. And if that works, then you're starting to crack some of that upside of potential. But it has to he has to have minutes for that to break through. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's a good point you make. There's just really no one else in the roster who I think if he hits his peak or is, uh, hits a ceiling as a, as a potential player on the defensive end, I mean, that rim-protecting cool. ability – has the most NBA upside in, in the front court, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was a guy that I think was in some preseason lottery yeah. pick talk, right? And, and Which is just kind of the nature of taking where they were ranked in high school, looking at where he went to college, and then kind of applying it from there. I, Sean, there's people who know way more about basketball. I mean, those are the guys who do that stuff for a living. It's really hard for me to think that had those people actually studied Damian Collins much that they would have thought he was a lottery pick going into the year. I mean, he, he, he was, I think I remember recording an episode with you in the Krogerfield uh, press box when he committed. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure way back then we were talking about how much of, of a developmental piece he was Yeah, just and because then, of how skinny he, he was and yeah. just the competition he played against at the high school level. Yep. And I watched him at Iverson last May and came back and said the exact same thing. And, and that storyline, it played itself out, right? Like he's a developmental piece. And here's where the approach to Kentucky, if you enter Kentucky under, and I don't want to say that you're just assuming, like I think there's kids that have probably come to Kentucky and thought, hey, I'm probably a a two-year guy and I leave after one. Like there have been guys like Shea Alexander. I mean, Tyler Hero comes in, you work your tail off, and then the program 
is what it is. And then you develop under that spotlight into a lottery pick or a first round pick and you're able to go after one year to me with Damien, it, it kind of felt like every time that I talked to people, whether it be his family or I was around, they've always kind of viewed this thing as a, a Damien's on his own timeline here. And I think that that helps when you get to a place, not only like Kentucky, if you go to a Duke or if you go to a North Carolina or one of these programs that produces, you know, pro potential, if you kind of go into that thing, and I don't want to say you've handcuffed yourself to being a multi-year guy, but if you go in there and think, okay, if I get this thing together this year and I can be a one and done, then great. But if it takes some time and I'm, and I'm developing and that's the message this staff has been giving to me, and I think it kind of – it doesn't set you up for failure because you go into it thinking, okay, this is what I am. What can I become this year? If I don't reach that, it's okay to come back and do it again. I feel like Damien was that guy the entire year. I don't think at any point that I ever feel like Damien was going to leave, hit the portal because it didn't work out as a freshman at Kentucky. In terms of Savir, as we flip over to him, um, when was the last time they had a guy with his production at the point guard spot coming back? I mean, I guess Hagen's in terms of just pure numbers, but I, Hagen's didn't have a season like that as a no. freshman. You're talking about a guy in Sevier who uh, trying to find the numbers. An SEC, SEC leader in assists the last two years. <clears throat> one at Kentucky, yeah. one at Georgia. I, I don't know. Like, when it comes to 10. that. 10.1 uh, points per game for Sevier, 2.6 boards, and he had 207 assists uh, for the season. I don't have – the average for per game but i can do that real quick um will they play 34 games yes 26 and 8 so he averaged six free, uh six assists per game and he didn't play in all those games right oh that's true yeah yeah oh that's i mean that's a number it's a little bit better than six then <clears throat> yeah because he when when you look at it i think he averaged what 6.9 is that what so we're playing 30 was? games yeah uh, so when and we talked about this, and I think you were spot on when we talked about this when the season ended. You know, we discussed the roster and how John Calipari had to look at this thing, and and everything was up for grabs, right? Like if if someone needed to be replaced and there was a better player come along, then you obviously pursue it. But there are a lot of programs out there, Derek, that I think would look and take Xavier Wheeler. I mean, a, a Koozie Award finalist, uh, the SEC leader in assists the last two years. Another season at Kentucky, if he stays healthy and he's going to be way up on the assist charts, especially for players that have played under John Calipari at Kentucky. So it's it's a guy that done a lot of good last year. And the more you go back to it, there's there's things that you have to work on with Wheeler, like especially late in games when it's crunch time, valuing possessions. You saw that kind of happen in the NCAA tournament. But I just feel like that the more that I look back on it, I was a big Wheeler guy, even coming out of the portal last year when he committed and signed with Kentucky and then into the season. He is kind of the guy that feeds off of everyone else having to do their job well. Like the two and the three, they got to be able to shoot it. The floor spacing has to be there. You have to make the game easier for him with his size. He's not going to finish over top of you, but he does do some things very well. And I think that as long as Kentucky is good on the perimeter and they don't have the epic total collapse that they had this past year, then I think that this experiment in year two is going to be okay. I really do. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who he doesn't shoot the three-point ball well. He went 16 for 52 this year, so 30%. Uh, is that better than what he shot at Georgia that last year? Yeah, Maybe I slightly. I think you know. he was as low as 24 down there, wasn't he? Golly. Uh, but the odd thing about Severe, a, a pretty a pretty reliable free throw shooter. He shot 78% this year. Uh, he was 46 of 59. You know, that that's was, what was frustrating at the end when he missed those free throws yeah. late against St. Peter's is that that's a guy that had been so good in that spot. I, I just think that, I mean, look, they, they got Wheeler and they got Sheboy back. How many programs in college basketball will enter next season with their starting five and their starting point guard, one, the National Player of the Year, the other, a Koozie Award finalist, all this, I mean, the, a guy that's been all SEC, he led the league in assists. There's not many teams that, can, that return that production, and that, that's why you're seeing Kentucky be among the favorites to win a national championship along with North Carolina and some others because of that production returning even throwing out the window how the season ended. Yeah, I always always try to tell the line between trying to figure out when a guy is is maybe just going to be what he is and also leaving room. I mean, he, he is going to get better in some ways. Yeah. I, I don't know that he's instantly going to become a very good shooter. That just seems unlikely to me. 22%, but can just, by the way, that last year at Georgia from three, 22%. Well, he went up eight percentage points. Uh, well, if he did that again this year, it'd be pretty good, huh? He shot 38% from three. Uh, wouldn't bet on it. But if Xavier can just get to where he's hitting that mid-range shot a little bit more, because there were times last year, and then again, like, I think when some of those other guards got hurt and were just ineffective, it probably magnified it a little bit. But I swear there were times it felt like where a mid-range jumper for him just felt like a turnover. Yeah. Like, like, defend, like if you were playing Kentucky, defensively it felt like a win. If you could force a severe wheel of jumper, basically. Yep. And you, you got to get to a point this year where that's not the case. So I, I think that's why he really needs to be in the gym working on just being yep. consistent if, from that range. And and he bought into the role. Like, I feel like that he was a kid that when he got to Kentucky, he bought into it. And here's why his three-point percentage went up, the the, the volume, the, the the fewer attempts. He averaged 3.1 a game as a sophomore at Georgia. He only attempted 1.7 a game at Kentucky last year. So that – if if you're taking and, – and then, too, Derek, when you're shooting and those attempts go down, you're probably taking better quality threes. And most of his that he did take, he kind of had to take them. It was either late in the shot clock or left wide open. If he shoots 30% on those and he's only attempting, what, 52, 50 a year, then I think it's okay if he's a 30% three-point shooter. But if you have him up here taking over 90, 100 threes, yeah, that's where it gets sketchy. I, I just don't see – I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be bought into his role again. 
whatever Kentucky has in the backcourt. We know that Case and Wallace possibly can run some one. Uh, we know that they're after some guys in the portal that we're going to talk about in the next episode that can play some one. So I, I think that Wheeler in year two, Kentucky could have a lot worse on its yeah. roster. And I think that John Calipari is looking at this thing and thinking, okay, when everybody was healthy, Wheeler was running the show. He was dominant against North Carolina, I think 27, 28 points that game. And had had other games too against Tennessee at Rupp Arena where he looked very good. Like he looked really good at times, but when everything else crumbled around him, it was really hard for him to look good. But I was prepared to write the story in Indy, had a couple of paragraphs already written about how the game was going and Savir showed up and kind of rescued him late along with Oscar. And then it it just fell apart because it was him and Oscar late in that game that actually did make shots and make plays. Yeah. And then the last news of the day we wanted to talk about, Sean. Uh, I'm trying to figure out. If, oh, yeah. So, UK's uh, news came out today officially that UK uh, former now strength and conditioning coach Rob Harris, uh, who had been there since the 2014 15 season, um, is he's leaving the program. I don't, I don't know what the official word there was, but UK posted a job title uh, in his position. He went to Twitter today. Uh, I want to give credit to Jack Pilgrim, who confirmed that news. Um, but here's a tweet from Rob Harris today. He said, I want to say thank you to UK Athletics and UK fans for allowing me this opportunity to be part of BBN for the last eight seasons. It has been a pleasure working with each player who has come through the program. I have grown tremendously since being a part of UK, and I'm excited about what what this next chapter in my career will bring uh, me and my family. God bless you all. So Rob was a guy, you know, he's, he was certainly around here several years. I want to say he spent a couple of years at UK even before he was officially in this capacity, right? So we're talking about probably about a decade, 14, roughly. 15 was the first year he was there. I think he was a, an assistant strength and conditioning coach then. Oh, okay. That's when he got here. Okay. For the first two years, that's what he was. Um, so, I mean, this is, I felt like there were a few incidents, uh, obviously the big one that everyone saw on TV, if you were like me, um, at Tennessee, the little scuffle over there on the side, whatever that was, we can call it whatever it was. It was unnecessary. I think it's probably a fair word to use. Um, that kind of brought him in the spotlight more than maybe any other point that he'd been at Kentucky. And I, I can't say for sure what, what exactly happened, but just – once that happened, I, I guess I wasn't really too surprised by this. That they've just chosen to go a different way. No. And, and I knew it in Indy that he that it was most likely that he wouldn't be at Kentucky because he was in Tampa for the SEC tournament. He was not on the bench. He was kind of down where the photographers were to the side. And then in Indianapolis, he wasn't even there. There was someone else leading the, the charge to start the game to get pregame warm-ups and all that stuff, the, a job that Rob had done every single game that I've been on the beat. Uh, so I kind of just was reading between the lines there and thinking, all right, this this probably is going to lead to a breakup when the season's over. So I'm not really shocked by it. And I, and I know there was some other things that kind of surfaced there with a, a video on Twitter at a youth sporting event. And and ultimately, I don't think that's what did it, Derek. I just think that there were just some things there. And you look at this roster, and they've been just littered with injuries for years and stuff now where, I mean, it's multiple players getting hurt, nagging injuries I just think that it's just one of those things that maybe the program looked at this, John Calipari, and said, hey, we're going to go a different direction, try something else. Maybe this isn't working. And, and if if that's how they feel, then obviously the boss is going to make the call, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, a fresh start would be good. You, you saw a lot of the uh, – Players loved him. Players absolutely loved him, though. 
Yeah, he was a fan favorite or a player favorite. I mean, not a fan favorite, certainly not a player favorite throw. Um, but in terms of, you know, last year you had several coaching staff changes. Uh, and then this year with Rob gone, I mean, it's really kind of been a total overhaul of how things were. And then final note I have, unless you have something else to add, I think we mentioned, or no, I think we were talking off the air, but there was a report, uh, several outlets reported that Bruiser Flint interviewed for the Fordham head coaching job uh, that ultimately went to an assistant who was already at Fordham. They're just going to continue uh, the plan there. I don't, I don't have that guy's name in front of me, but um, Bruiser did interview for a job though. Of course he's Kentucky's associate head coach and didn't get that position though. And who knows if something else will pop up, but it seems like Bruiser's likely to be back on the sidelines at Kentucky again next season. Yeah. And that, that name is Keith Ergo. He was the uh, the top assistant under Kyle Neptune that will now be the head coach at Villanova. So uh, that's the way that, that that job went. So, yeah, Bruiser Flint was reportedly a candidate for that job. And, I mean, as it stands, it kind of looks like the coaching staff from top to bottom when it comes to the key parts will will probably stay intact. Derek, going into the offseason, I know uh, Kyle Tucker talking a little bit about, you know, Brad Calipari has a job lined up. I know he tweeted something like that yesterday. I know Brad posted something to Instagram that kind of, was thanking Kentucky fans for everything from the days as a player to the days as a grad assistant, whatever he's doing now, uh, kind of looks like maybe something will break pretty soon on, on what Brad's future plans are. But whenever that comes, we'll get to that as well. Anything else you want to wrap up on? I know you all that are listening to this one, you're going to have another episode where we're just going to talk transfer portal and what's going on with Kentucky with, with Antonio Reeves and some other things like that. But we wanted to split them instead of throwing it all into one. No, yeah, that's all I had to add. I mean, you also had the report from The Athletic. Uh, it sounded like John Shire at Duke made a run at Jay Lucas uh, to fill one of his assistant spots, but Jay decided to stay at Kentucky. So uh, I, I have no reason to doubt that report. It came from a, a person I've known since college, actually, Brendan Marks. And uh, that's a – I didn't see it really get much discussion, honestly, amongst UK fans. Maybe I missed it, but that seems like a pretty fairly big win to uh, – to keep him because I'm assuming that that role uh, he'd be replacing Nolan Smith, who of course left Duke for Louisville. Yeah, and that's that's a big one to hold on to if you're Cal in Kentucky because it, it feels like now is when Jay is really going to you know hit the ground running with recruiting and he's going to all these grassroots events and he was at Nike and I'm assuming they'll keep hitting Adidas now that uh, Andre Stuakovich has an offer from Kentucky they'll hit that circuit as well this summer I know. Uh, Orlando Antigua was very impressed with the amount of talent. And, and one more player that I want to talk about when it comes to the roster, and we'll wrap up right here. Uh, so I talked to a Division One coach when I was in South Carolina over the weekend, and we were talking about C.J. Frederick. And C.J. Frederick has a reputation that he is going to help Kentucky significantly this year, according to some people that I've talked to. They, they said, that, hey, that guy's going to make – Kentucky a whole lot better than what they were a year ago and and the word I got was he just does not miss <laughs> so you know Kentucky fans they've, they've obviously heard that about a lot of guys right and then when it comes down to the end of it they missed a lot so but CJ Frederick seems to be that guy Derek that he's going to make a whole lot more than he misses and that's a good thing for that roster yeah absolutely I'm looking forward to seeing CJ more than anything I hope for his sake he can just stay healthy and be able to be a contributor on next year's team Absolutely. Well, Derek, I think that covers everything that we're going to do on this episode, but stay tuned. Very soon you'll get another episode of Kentucky Daily talking transfer portal, where Kentucky's going, and then how they're going to maybe 
round out this roster and who might be the first addition from the portal because we know they're going to take at least one, possibly two names. Uh, so we'll get to all that. As always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 